welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. We have such a fun show today with our guest joining us, Robbie Paul from New Zealand. Before we talk about serving up startups and coffee with the Ice Angels, we have our Anikona Farm moment. So welcome to our listeners all around the world, across the U.S., all the way from Texas and New York and Seattle and L.A. and our friends in, in Kansas City and, of course, in Ireland and Australia and Russia, the Ukraine. We're so delighted you've joined us today. So about our Anikona Farm moment, I've been sharing how we are in the middle of our harvest. And because the volcano was so active the last few months, the trees just really bloom this year and we've had the biggest harvest Ever. So already, and we just started the harvest, we've been picking and we've handpicked approximately about 2,000 pounds of red cherry when it's ripe. We call it red cherry. And then we go back and we're good to the trees. We go back and we'll pick a little bit more and a little bit more. And right now we're taking a moment to just let the trees catch up with us. But there is the biggest harvest I've ever seen. And hence, just so I let our listeners know, we may be taking a bit of a break from the show. And we hope to be back together again with you and sharing favorite coffee stories. It's just so that we can focus on the harvest and do a good job with the coffee. So we have a great show today. We're, we're talking about serving up startups and coffee with the Ice Angels. And Robbie Paul has joined us. He's the CEO of the Ice Angels, the largest and most active angel investment network in Australasia. And we are so delighted you've joined us, Robbie. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. Thanks, Annika. Great to be on. I wish we could uh, be sitting across from each other with a coffee. <laughs> yes, I wish you could be here at Anikona Farm and we could be having a nice chat, but I feel like you're here with us on the farm and that, that just brings me such joy. So, Robbie, as a CEO of Ice Angels and you really, the Ice Angels, you've done a lot of investments throughout the years and really stimulated the startup community there in New Zealand and Australia and we would love to start out first hearing about some of your early days of your career and growing up days, some family times, and then eventually some university stories. So please share with us some of your growing up days. Um, um, thanks, Annika. So I'm uh, originally a Tar Heel from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Grew up there until I was 18. Uh, went to school on the coast of North Carolina at UNC Wilmington and um, just as I got to UNC Wilmington, I, I did a trip with my brother around the South Island of New Zealand. So that was my uh, connection and him calling in now from Auckland uh, some 10 years later. Um, oh. where, do I, where do I start? Uh, I, I do have to share my favorite um, coffee-related um, Christmas card that I gave to my mom, which on the front said... I saw a lady sitting in a cafe with a very well-behaved son and thought of you. And then on the inside it says, because you like coffee. Oh, that is a great, great experience. Thank you for sharing that. What did your mom say? That was definitely her favorite card. I think she relates to it. Um, (laughs) I have fond memories coming home every day with her uh, having a coffee with with friends as their uh, afternoon routine. So it's always been a big, uh, big part of our life. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So when you attended the University of North Carolina at Wilmington in 2004 to 2008, share with us some of your favorite classes. You know, I, I enjoyed most of them, to be honest. The, the one I, uh, I'll have to start with, the one I enjoyed the least was actually the physical education um, that I did because I was also playing um, Division One tennis. And so with the um, 6 a.m. Uh, fitness regiment for the tennis team, a 12 p.m. Um, time at the gym and um, two hours of tennis in the afternoon. I, I didn't quite have the steam to do another uh, physical education uh, class. 
don't know that I think it was is that relevant. But uh, where I got really hooked was the uh, um, courses led particularly by um, two guys named um, Dr. Harper and, and uh, Jonathan Rowe, um, all around small business, uh, startups, entrepreneurship, and, and early stage finance. That that caught me. Um, and I suppose the reason those those caught me is because it, it, I, I functionally related to them. Um, I, I, in high school, I worked with a, a startup straight after the uh, Fast and the Furious phenomenon called UrbanImport.com, which was capitalizing on every uh, kid my age looking around to buy an emblem or a set of rims for, for their new car so they could look like they were part of the Fast and the Furious. Uh, <laughs> that company grew quite, a, quite well, um, took advantage of that, and then a few years later I was uh, able to study more of that at UNC Wilmington. How interesting. Well, and then you ultimately decided to pursue a degree in entrepreneurship and business development. So it sounds like that class may have inspired you. Uh, were there some other things or other professors that might have inspired you, especially doing the Fast and Furious startup? That that probably also was part of the inspiration. Yeah, I, I almost have to jump to uh, a history course that I took led by a, a famous professor that's now um, based at Oxford named um, Jamie Bellich. Um, that course was not part of my degree, but, and, and nor, nor is really history part of my sweet spot, but he was uh, definitely the most powerful storyteller in, in history. And really, history is about um, stories. It's not about rote memorization. And so when you get in there and he can connect you back to a, a point in time um, one story related to New Zealand was uh, Captain Cook arriving in New Zealand to, to first meet the, the local people um, and, and how that interaction went, which was um, pretty phenomenal, um, considering there were two worlds apart. Um, I also ended up taking a course uh, on natural hazards, uh, which, which drew me to two conclusions. In, in a place like North Carolina, you you could be pretty quickly devastated by um, an array of things, but mostly mostly hurricanes. Um, by contrast, in New Zealand, you're, as you may know, uh, large storms, uh, forest fires, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes—they just they are not as prevalent here. However, if one of these volcanoes decides to erupt, it would wipe out the entire population immediately. So. Essentially, there's nothing to worry about except um, uh, dying in a flash when a rhyolitic volcano goes off here. Yes, that is um, a small thing, I guess, to worry about. Uh, how how <laughs> is it that you, <laughs> Robbie? How is it that you decided then to actually attend the University of Auckland? I know you had spent a little bit of time there, but then you attended the university in 2007. Tell us about your experience at the University of Auckland. Well, traveling was always a big part of my upbringing, and, and we explored various corners of the world, and, and studying abroad was a, a really logical option for me, six months somewhere else, getting immersed and, and getting to know a, a sort of different group of people. And uh, University of Auckland was on my radar because I'd been to New Zealand twice, and I liked Auckland because it was on the doorstep of so many interesting places within New Zealand, and I was specifically interested in studying here. It, Interestingly, the, um, I was the first class of the Entrepreneurship and Business Development Program at, universe, uh, at, at UNC Wilmington, and it wouldn't have been days that after I got accepted that I went to a lead professor and said, hey, I'm, a, I'm planning to study abroad during one of the key semesters of this program, and I'm going to Auckland, New Zealand, which wasn't that well received. There was no link between the university um, that he was aware of, or, and he, he wanted to position me to go to somewhere in the London Business School, or, or if I wanted a different language, go to Paris. And and that at that point, I almost dropped out of that program. I just happened to meet with the second in charge and sat down in his office. Said, "I'd I'd like to study abroad." And he said, "Where?" I said, "University of Auckland." And he said, "Well, I wrote the business uh, the entrepreneurship and business development program there, so that shouldn't be too hard." And that was my connection in, which was very convenient. And he knew not only the professors that I should uh, go with, but the courses that were equivalent to the ones that I needed to, 
take here um, uh, to to graduate in the U.S. But that sounds so. That was just stars aligning. Yeah, that just sounds incredible how that all came together, Robbie. And certainly, Auckland is an amazing place to study as well as to explore. Were, did you, by chance, have some favorite coffee stories during university days, Robbie? I did have a a, a great story once. I um once I got involved with the Ice House down here. We uh, about eight years ago. Right when I was getting involved, there was a um, there was an investor that essentially committed capital to the university and said, "I want you not to spend this on the coffers of the university and, and uh, new buildings, but investing in really interesting and influential and high potential New Zealand companies." And through the Ice House, one of my roles was to help manage that and make those investments. And investment number one was a coffee company called All Press Coffee, and for uh, listeners in Ireland and Russia and even our friends over in Australia, it, it doesn't make much sense why, uh, or it wouldn't make much sense why New Zealand is uh, a coffee, um, we don't grow it here, we import everything, uh, but it's a huge part of the culture here, and it's a huge point of pride, and I'd have to say it has to be some of the best coffee in the world. So we... Um, we funded this company, All Press, that, that operated similarly to, to a Starbucks in, in the sense that it wanted to uh, it, it wanted to build a, a brand that um, that people could trust that it could go around the world. So credit to Starbucks for, for doing that; it's recognizable. Um, the difference is they didn't want to set up cafes; they wanted to provide their their beans, their machines, and their training um, to uh, high-end restaurants and cafes around the world. So when you you go into a restaurant and you see all press, you, you know that will be of a certain quality. And the best part about that was a few months later after we made that investment, I was hosting a U.S. investor out of Texas. And for a bit of context, we do not do, nor does all press coffee do, any form of drip coffee. So coffee here is espresso. It's lattes. It's something called a flat white um, uh, in any iteration of, uh, of espresso coffee with milk. And and so we go to the flagship all-press roastery. They know that I've brought an investor there who was in town, and they send out their best barista who's ready to take an order, um, be it a flat white or a, um, or a, or a latte or um, just a straight espresso, and he orders coffee, which, of course, makes sense in the U.S., but literally is not on the menu here. You, you can't order a, a coffee, a drip coffee. And so right. I think the, the uh, barista was ready to make anything except what he wanted, which was pretty much a Texan drip coffee that you could get at a, <laughs> at a local 7-Eleven. <laughs> well, yes, I can understand that moment, but hopefully he had a chance to try a, a, an espresso, and I, I'm sure he loved it. That that is such a fun story. Thanks for sharing that, Ravi. And how you became involved with the Ice House or the International Center for Entrepreneurship there in Auckland is um, really interesting. And also how you became involved in the Ice Angels. How how did that happen? And tell us a little bit about the mission and the team and the vibe at the Ice House. Yeah, well, it was a, a series of fortunate events. I I went back to the U.S. after my time studying at the University of Auckland graduated, um, spent the summer coaching tennis on Martha's Vineyard, and then moved uh, back to Auckland. And I was coming back for a year, or rather I had a year visa, and uh, wasn't interested in renting surfboards or, or um, teaching tennis or working at a, at a pub. I wanted to do something interesting and work with a, a cool organization. And Ice House was on my radar because it was intertwined with the business school at, at Auckland, and I participated in the business plan competition that they sponsored when I was studying here. And, um, and so when I came back, I targeted them. I was emailing the CEO who I had a connection to through my UNC Wilmington professor. And I was essentially telling everybody in the U.S. that I had a job with ISAF that I didn't actually have, uh, but I was planning to come down here and, and find my way in. I arrived in October. I sent a number of weeks emailing and uh, reaching out to the CEO, which eventually just became his personal assistant. Nobody 
he wasn't responding until out of guilt, she finally invited me to a, a gathering that they were having that was social where, where he would be. So I went along to that and ended up talking to a few folks. He couldn't get his attention, finally pin him down, and within seconds, the, uh, his personal assistant grabs him, drops another guy uh, who I didn't know, and says, talk to, talk to this guy. And I thought, oh, well, that's, there goes my chance. It just happened, though, that... Um, that uh, that guy was a, a named Jaco Pretorius. He's an engineer from MIT in Boston where he met his wife, who's an uh, astrophysicist from MIT and also a New Zealander. And uh, also uh, coming from Boston area, big fans of Martha's Vineyard, so I had something to talk about immediately. I convinced him to let me work for him for free and did so until about February of the next year when they finally decided uh, to start paying me as an intern. Um, and uh, I can go on, but that, that's how we, we got started. Did you want me to talk about the, the sort of mission of what, what we do? Well, I was wondering, Robbie, thank you for sharing that. And I was wondering um, if we could maybe even touch on, we have just about a minute before we go to break, but I know for our listeners, it'd be really interesting to hear a little bit more about Ice House mission and maybe about the team. And uh, after the break, we'll talk a little bit more about Ice Angels. Right. Yeah, Ice House is a team of 25 based in Auckland. Our, our mission is to empower New Zealand entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, we do, th- do that through investment in early-stage companies um, and educational programs for later-stage established owner-managed businesses based in New Zealand. Um, we've invested in 140 companies over the last 15 years and, and worked with thousands of others. The, the team is really a great team there at the Ice House, and and uh, we say hello and send all the best to our friends there at the Ice House. So listeners, when we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more with Robbie Paul, who's the CEO of the Ice Angels, and find out sort of what are some of the things going on, uh, projects with the Ice ha- Angels, as well as a little bit more about the startup community in Australasia right after the break. So please join us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. American Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You're listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We're having such a nice time with our special guest, Robbie Paul. We're talking about serving up startups and coffee with the Ice Angels. And Robbie had shared with us some of his early days and how he got involved in entrepreneurship, 
how he got involved with the Ice House. And we were just going to ask Robbie about a little bit more about Ice Angels and what are some of the projects and some of the investments that Ice Angels has made and how those are going. Please share with us, Robbie. Thanks, Annika. Um, as I said, I'm, we're, we're approaching 150 investments now in early-stage companies. And when I say early-stage, they're uh, teams often... 10, 10 people are smaller. They're not generating much revenue. They uh, are not taken on the global stage. This is their young, aspirational, um, and high potential. And my favorite part is the variety, without a doubt. It, uh, yes. Across those companies, we're in biotech, hardware, software, robotics, cloud, gaming, uh, a couple of consumer uh, plays and brands um, that, that you may know. And... Um, and absolutely just the, uh, the variety of the individuals that you interact with that are conquering different challenges is, is fascinating. Uh, I could, I'd love to give a few examples if, if that's what you want to hear about. Or... Well, yes, please share with us. We'd love to hear about examples. Okay. I'll start with a complicated one, uh, which is <laughs> a company called Avertana. They came out of a company that's now based in Chicago, uh, but was started in a museum called Lanzatech, which you can Google both of those. Avertana takes the uh, waste stream from steel manufacturing and produces valuable uh, industrial chemicals and commodities. And the benefit of that is it's taking a product that is uh, accumulating in enormous waste piles around the world that nobody knows what to do with and uh, creating valuable uh, chemicals and, and industrial components that can be sold into the market and used. Um, and here's why I love that. One, it's commercially sound. It, assuming they get the technology right, it, they're building a, uh, a product that, uh, a suite of products that are, are sold in the commodity market. So there's already willing buyers. Um, the, the second is that they're producing things from the waste stream rather mm-hmm. than having to mine new, new parts of the earth and create a waste stream just to get one component out. Uh, they're avoiding all of that and creating valuable stuff from waste. And if you Google swag steel piles, uh, among other things, you'll appreciate how significant this problem is in virtually every country around the world. Um, and the, the third is that the team is doing something based on their experience having been part of another company that went down a similar path, taking waste and creating value. And that that company, Lanzatech, which is also a New Zealand company, uh, if you look it up, you'll know that they're now creating jet fuel that Virgin Airlines has agreed to use. Um, Again, taking waste stream and creating value. That is Um, so worthwhile. And what a great idea and startup and so helpful for the environment too which um, is really a, a positive so when you find out about these startups Robbie I know that Ice Angels has quite a few events and you have like a big annual event and and startups can kind of showcase uh, their technology and sort of what they're working on how are some of your events going Robbie? They're going great the um, we just had our, our eighth annual showcase. This is an event that we launched with the Rugby World Cup, which uh, most listeners may not relate to, in, um, in 2011. The premise back then was, why don't we build an event that showcases the best of New Zealand startups uh, to the world, being the high-impact VIPs that were here to watch rugby. Um, so we put on this big event. We expected about 300. We had 300 show up at the time, and, and probably 290 were uh, just simply local uh, New Zealand investors. As it turns out, most of the folks that were VIPs from offshore were here to drink Heineken and, and attend the rugby, not not do business. That said, um, that event still worked really well because there was uh, high-caliber co- high companies pitching and, and a bunch of willing and able investors in, in the room uh, that were locals. Um, that, that event has now grown. We've had more than 100 companies present Brands like Power by Proxy, which was bought by Apple earlier this year, doing wireless power transfer. Um, brands like Ethic, which is solid shampoo and moisturizer, uh, with the goal of removing the 80 billion plastic bottles that are used just for shampoo and conditioner per year around the world. 
Um, they're now available in the U.S. Um, and uh, companies like Sharesies, which is uh, in, uh, endeavoring to democratize access to investing in equities, giving people with $50 the same power as somebody with $50,000. Um, and so we just moved into one of the larger event centers in, in Auckland, had our eighth annual and had 930 people and a, a Michelin star chef and, and 11 fabulous companies uh, again this year. It sounds like it went really well, and I know that it's it's a highlight of the year, and I'm so curious, just kind of on an investment note, Robbie, since you've you've seen so many startups and and you've been part of Ice Angels and the Ice House, how would you describe what are some of the things you look for in startups when when considering doing an investment? I'll probably answer that with my attempt to define what angel investing is, which is that's uh, a good investing idea money, which is investing money in, uh, in, in good companies, but not necessarily good companies. And what I mean there is uh, investing in early stage companies is, is high risk. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes um, resilience. And not all of them will work, and everybody who invests should sign up to, to that. And when I say investing uh, in exchange for good company, I mean, I'm emphasizing that you, you want to invest alongside people and in people that that you enjoy spending time with, right? And so yes. fundamentally, don't care how big the opportunity is or how much profit you think you can make. If you are not going to enjoy this, this uh, effective wedding, don't do it. Yes. Um, and that starts to answer my question, which is really um, building relationships with individuals and, and finding ways to support them is, is priority number one when you're looking to invest in this space. Uh, how do I define those people? Uh, uh, I, I want to see individuals with very unique perspectives on the world, exploiting, exploiting industries or, or niches or, or solving challenges that they've experienced firsthand, um, that, they, um, that they have intellectual property that they've built that um, can address it um, in, uh, in markets that they've They've been to. So this is not necessarily a, uh, a a young kid coming up with an idea for for something that may work for some friends, right? Yes. You really want people that can be charismatic. You want founders that are are just magnets for talent, for for money, for team members, for um, for PR and and everything else. Um, they. It is a it is a long, challenging road. Every company that we've we've funded that has eventually uh, listed on a public market or, or sold for um, for high values has has come come just uh, just within a, a whisker of time. So um, founders need to be resilient. They um, they can be versatile. They've they've got to be dogged and 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 driven and um, and. You can find lots of folks with ideas, and you can find lots of inventors, and you can find lots of folks with extreme intellect, but uh, find somebody with those types of features is actually quite hard. It is hard, and you really clarified that so well and and summarized sort of what you look for, but also what makes, I guess, uh, an entrepreneur a good entrepreneur, and what are some of the qualities that really make a difference in and bringing forth a successful startup. You're also involved in a couple ventures. Robbie, please share with us about Tahua Ventures and First Cut Ventures. Sure. So um, First Cut Ventures is something I started four years ago when I put a call out for interns. And I had, I had many more applied than I could have ever employed, but they're all talented university students that I'd love to uh, harness and, and give that opportunity to get exposed to this space like I've had. And, and so rather than hiring them all, I, I created something called the Junior Venture Partners, the idea being that young students could get unprecedented exposure to investments, to investors, to startups, and to founders. And, um, and in exchange, they provide us um, support with due diligence, with uh, engaging with companies and and with just general administration, and so they're they're basically our scouts and our hustlers, and in exchange they get some really cool experience. So that was a team of of five. Uh, a year later, they ran a competition that um, 
that gave one company a chance to pitch at our annual showcase. Um, they worked with that company. They ended up raising some capital uh, to invest on behalf of other investors and and then eventually said, I know we're young, but we don't like the name Junior, so we're, we're rebranding Robbie and we're calling ourselves First Step Ventures. And, uh, and at that point, uh, we raised half a million dollars for the, the students to invest on our behalf. And, uh, and so the thesis is specifically to invest in founders under 30. They don't have to be university students. Um, they don't have to be in their first round of, of capital. But um, uh, the argument's being that founders under 30 are closer to tech and innovation. Uh, they, they're using platforms that, that come out on, on a daily and weekly basis. Um, they're way less uh, risk-averse, right? They don't have right. mortgages. Right. They don't have kids. They can swing for the fences. Um, and they're just extraordinarily more capital efficient. And what I mean there is when you have a small company that's not yet generating revenue, then uh, you have one thing, which is how, how quickly are you spending the capital that you do have? And right. look, for a for an established founder that has two kids and and uh, a mortgage in, in Auckland, which is one of the most expensive real estate markets in the world, they they need to be paid. And if they need to be paid more than $100,000 and and uh, the, the total capital they have is 500000 and the money doesn't go that far. By contrast, the first company we invested in out of, um, out of First Cut Ventures was called Spalk. It does alternative sports commentary, so it enables um, anybody to become a commentator. You'd do a great job of this on, on live sports um, rather than having to listen to the, you know, the, the one option on ESPN or elsewhere. And we funded those. Uh, the team of three young founders, they lived at home, they ate noodles, they paid themselves nothing, and they, um, they spread that small amount of capital that they had over uh, multiple years and got them in a place where they really started to hit some milestones. And we, uh, I'll point out that just last week it was announced that Greg Norman, the famous golfer, has just become a, an investor, which is a great endorsement for what they're doing. That's a super endorsement, Robbie, and what a great program. And I just love what First Cut Ventures is doing to support these young entrepreneurs. And thank you for doing that. How worthwhile is that? So there's also some startup accelerators in Auckland as well as in Wellington. And that also gives some of the young entrepreneurs an opportunity to showcase some of the things they're working on as well as get some funding. How are some of the accelerators going there in New Zealand, Robbie? Yeah, the accelerators are uh, going well. It's a familiar model to the U.S. and, and elsewhere around the world. And the idea is uh, find young, ambitious teams, uh, usually building software or something digital, inject a bit of cash into them to give them some time to experiment and iterate and, and build product uh, to the tune of fifty to $100,000. You bring them in a space together so they, they have this, uh, energy and, and excitement and, and support network. Um, you wrap a bunch of mentors and experts and, and connections around them, and then you position them to raise more capital if that's the if that's the right thing for their business. And that's something that we've run for a number of years. It, ours is called the Flux Accelerator. There's there's a number of other ones uh, called Lightning Lab around New Zealand, and they work really well. They serve a, a specific type of founder. Um, and, and intervene at a at a time where it's really important. And and so earlier this year we had two two individuals spin out of a of a publicly listed company here. They are uh, cloud experts. They build large infrastructure for um, for cloud computing. And uh, in the background, they're total robotics and drone nerds. And what they what they discovered was that much of the robotics and drones that are coming out these days are are, are built by robotics experts that don't have expertise in, in cloud computing. And as a result, you don't get all the benefits that cloud computing offers with um, right. auto updates and controls and swarms. And so um, yeah. they were the perfect fit for something like the accelerator. They wanted to uh, experiment and test and, and iterate, and we brought them in and invested, in, and they've, uh, they've gone on to raise a lot more capital. How exciting. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Robbie. And 
And before we go to break, we have about a minute, and I'd love to ask you about some upcoming travels or maybe some future Ice House and Ice Ice Angel projects that are coming up. And, you know, startup community, it's all about networking. And, and Ice Angels, you know, is the largest and most active angel investment network in Australasia. Do you have any upcoming travels by chance or some, some projects that are right now coming up? A lot of upcoming travel. Um, the, the most exciting one, though, related to our fund called Tehua. Tehua is a an island that's three hours off the coast. It's both a bird and uh, a marine reserve, um, and it's a very significant place for the the, the local Maori. And um, our our fund is named after that. And we've we've decided that the team and I are going to go out there. Um, in early December and spend some time on the island. I've been there a number of times and nobody else has and, and I think it's really important that they see what it's all about. This is um, arguably one of the most beautiful spots you can find. It's undeveloped. It's um, laden with just uh, enormous trees. There's great snorkeling, great paddleboarding, um, great spear fishing in, in the parts that aren't the marine reserve. And uh, hopefully we'll have some good weather so the three-hour boat ride's manageable. <laughs> That sounds like it's going to be an incredible trip, Ravi. When we come back after the break, we're going to ask Ravi a little bit more about some of the technology trends in New Zealand, how he anticipates some of the startup investments are going to look down the road. And we'll also ask Ravi a little bit more about the general coffee scene in New Zealand right after the break. So listeners, please join us. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune into Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. What an amazing time with Robbie Paul. He's the CEO of the Ice Angels. They're the largest and most active angel investment network in Australasia. And we're talking about serving up startups and coffee with the Ice Angels. And we had just shared... What makes a good entrepreneur? What does Robbie and his team, as well as some of the investors there in New Zealand, look for when they invest in startups? And 
what's important in in making a startup work. And we were going to ask Robbie about some of the future trends, possibly. Like, what are some of the technology trends you see down the road that some of the startups are going to be focusing on there in New Zealand? Thanks, Anika. I think it's a fascinating question, and it it is a really challenging one to answer for for one reason, which is nobody can predict founders. That's the that's the beauty of entrepreneurs. They um, they don't often congregate in one place. They they aren't affected by macro trends. Uh, when I moved here in 2008, and everybody else thought the world was uh, shutting down, the entrepreneur scene was alive and well. And and indeed, some of the most valuable companies in New Zealand were created in the last downturn. Um, they the one place that founders do uh, emerge from is from other successful companies, and so that is one way that. Uh, track and, and, and predict where, where sort of innovation trends will go. So if a company, uh, by example, Weta, which did all the Lord of the Rings tech and, and visualization, grows in New Zealand, it, it has global success, there's people that learn and benefit and profit from that and get the confidence, then it's likely that they'll, um, they'll emerge and say, hey, I want to build something else. And... Um, and related to that in the sort of New Zealand context would be uh, creating value from waste, which, which I've talked about. And Landsatech really led the way with that, taking the waste gas from steel plants and processing it into valuable things. And Avertana followed. And what I love about our space is that more have followed since. So we've, uh, we've recently funded a company that takes circuit boards uh, which you can find in phones and laptops and everywhere from refrigerators to dishwashers, and uses a non-toxic way and humane way, I should say, to extract the gold and ingest it with a microorganism that they've developed. And, wow. Um, yet, yet another company taking a waste stream and, and uh, helping solve the world's problem with it. That's fascinating and so important. I'm I'm so curious. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves and how there's a lot more technology focused on environmental projects and using waste as you as you said and, and generating energy, etc. And we did touch a little bit how New Zealand not only are we talking about tech and all of the great startups that happen out of New Zealand there's also this fun coffee scene, and you had touched on it earlier, and sh- thank you for sharing. By, might you just, by chance, have a favorite coffee cafe that you like to go to there in Auckland? I have so many cafes in, in Auckland. I, if, I, if I collected loyalty cards, my wallet would, would uh, not fit in my pocket. That um, I like. On the, on the beach on the North Shore is an organic cafe called Jam, which is a, uh, a special spot in out where we have a house on Great Barrier Island, which is a 30-minute flight from Auckland, is a, uh, a cute cafe called My Fat Puku, which in uh, Maori means my fat, my fat belly or stomach. And um, I think, I think the, uh, the um, moment that a neighborhood or, or an area has a high-quality ca- cafe, you, you know you're in for a, for a um, great development to happen in uh, Great Barrier, which is a reasonably isolated island. It's about the size of Nantucket for anybody who's up in the U.S. Um, it takes an hour to go from north to south by car. It's 80% national park and is generally a, a total backwater without much uh, going, including nothing but solar power and generators. And for years, they uh, essentially had no coffee. And there's a now a cafe uh, led by a Kiwi, but who was based in New Jersey of all places for years, uh, called My Fat Puku, doing just spectacular um, flat whites and espresso coffees. Um, and uh, and knowing that, I, I think uh, Great Barrier is in a great place in the future. Absolutely. So you, it's great that you brought up a little bit more about New Zealand, because for our listeners, New Zealand is a very special place and offers so much natural beauty and variety and diversity in its topography. And I'm I'm curious, when you have a little extra time and with your family, what are some of your favorite New Zealand adventures? Um, I know you like to paddleboard. 
when's your next paddleboarding adventure? <laughs> well, not as frequently with a with a one year old baby, but um, more frequently than than uh, than if I didn't live by the coast. So New Zealand's lucky to have thousands of miles of coastline and only one million people. So you can quite literally have your own beach if you like. Um, where where we are in Great Barrier is a eight mile long beach. There's one road that that uh, tees into the beach perpendicular and has 21 properties, and that's the only road that accesses the entire beach. Off of that beach is um, great kite surfing. Uh, there's great surfing. There's spear fishing. And you can collect collect mussels from the, the rocks and um, uh, and snorkel and, and uh, sort of explore. So it is a uh, um, that's a special corner of the world right there. But um, if you want. If you want a totally different experience, you get on a plane and you fly two hours and you're in the what's called the Southern Alps, which are uh, anywhere from sort of four to 8,000, uh, sorry, 10,000 foot uh, mountains, snow-capped with skiing, ice climbing, uh, and, and every, every other sort of activity that you'd expect. It's, it's like a sister city to, say, Banff, Canada, or, or um, right. Jasper National Park, or uh, sort of has a bit of the Rockies to it as well. Yes, that is such a special spot. Robbie, you, you mentioned that you also have a new little one in the family. What's it like being a new dad? Uh, it's as fun as it can be. You can't explain it. Um, you can't describe <laughs> it. And, uh, and it's almost like this addiction. So nothing more fun than, than uh, coming, home to, um, coming home to a baby, even if he's screaming and crying. That there's something adorable, adorable about it when it's, when it's your own. Yeah. Except at 3 a.m., there's nothing adorable about that. <laughs> well, I hope you're getting a little bit more sleep these days, and so happy for you about your your new little one, and uh, wish you well with your with your wife, Joe, and and so thank you for sharing that. I'm so curious how you balance your time because you're you're doing such a great job with with the Ice Angels and at the Ice House, and and being a, a new dad and so, how do you do that, Robbie? Well, uh, we are lucky that New Zealand has a pretty standard four-week holiday um, option as opposed to two weeks in, in much of the U.S. and even less in uh, other places. So, I am uh, thankful for that. It would be a difficult adjustment otherwise. Um, but there's also a pretty... Uh, the one benefit of working with startups and investors in this country uh, is that everything shuts down over Christmas. and. I didn't understand that coming from the U.S., and it's probably hard to connect with. But in the U.S., you have two holiday periods, roughly, in the sort of professional world, which is summer and the 4th of July and, and sneaking away to the beach, and you have Christmas and New Year's. And in, in, in places like North Carolina, the weather's not particularly good at Christmas and New Year's, so unless you're skiing, you're, um, you know, you're sort of inside and then you're back at, at work. And New Zealand has one holiday because we have um, Christmas at the same time that we have summer. And so oh, true. It, uh, it all comes at, at once. And, and the beauty of that is effectively nobody does anything from uh, Christmas until February. And I make the most of that. And I, I will do everything I can to make sure that the culture doesn't change. Hmm. Those are very special times in New Zealand around the holiday times, and I'm glad that you can have those times and and have good moments with your family. You were going to also say something about balancing time, please. Yeah, so the rest of the year, it's um, one way is not having a long commute. We we live a 12-minute ferry ride across the water, and we're um, right there, so that. That is not an option for everybody, and I feel very privileged to, to save uh, much of my time there. And I should point out that uh, on the on the city side, I also uh, run the rest of the way, which is about two miles. So um, my commute is, is a, a ferry ride where I can uh, be on my phone and a, and a run where I can get exercise, where even in the busiest days, I, I have uh, 20 minutes or so of elevated heart rate, which is a great way to start the day. Um, and aside from that, I, I would uh, I would say it's founders and startups and investment 
it, it doesn't run on a predictable predictable time frame. So the benefit is, is there is flexibility at times, and the the challenge is that there are, are many evenings and late nights and early mornings eating up, especially when when you have founders that are based in in every corner of the world at this point. So true. So true. Well, that sounds like the perfect commute that we would all aspire to, Robbie. So if if we, before we close here, if we were to ask you about your dreams, how would you describe it could be professional dreams, personal dreams, in about a minute, please? Well, that's a, that's a good one. I'd say everybody is going down a path or pursuing a, a, a mission where they can be um, surrounded by friends and family in a beautiful place and um, and I would share that that dream and uh, and sort of pursue it on a, on a day-to-day basis but uh, probably my my one takeaway is that the uh, the journey is the reward and right. um, and so living living in the moment and uh, appreciating what you have and uh, making the best use of the time that you have is is uh, as important I would say as, as pursuing something that that may come and um, or may not come in the future. That is so beautifully put, Robbie. And we are so glad that you could join us today from New Zealand. We've had Robbie Paul, CEO of the Ice Angels, the largest and most active angel investment network in Australasia, join us today talking about serving up startups and coffee with the Ice Angels in New Zealand. So, Robbie, thank you again for being with us and for your inspiring stories. Thanks so much, Annika. It's been, been really fun. It's been so fun. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us on another My Favorite Coffee Story. I'm Aniko, and it's been such an honor to be together on a weekly basis, sharing personal journey, personal journeys, personal life stories. Today, we talked about sharing amazing, inspiring stories about the New Zealand startup and coffee scene. And as I mentioned earlier during our Ani Konafar moment, since we've been having such a big harvest, our next show will probably be one that will we'll sort of, after this show, we'll be taking a bit of a break. But we look forward to being together again and continuing our fun conversations. And of course, you can always visit our website, anikona.com, and continue the conversation, sending questions to orders at anikona.com. Thanks again for just sharing this time together talking about what's important in life, inspiring startups about New Zealand, about the coffee scene with Robbie Paul. And thank you again for being with us today. In the meantime, when we meet again, we wish you a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.